give it a sec. Hello, welcome to today's episode of Juice the Big Screen, your movies review and discussion podcast. I am one of your critics, Joshua Tracy. And I'm your host, who also does the critic stuff, Corwin Heller. And we are here today to talk about uh, two more of the Oscar-nominated pictures in this Oscars season. That is the United States versus Billie Holiday and Borat's subsequent movie film. Uh, <laughs> Say it in the Corwin, voice. Are you? Uh, Borat's subsequent movie film. Uh, I guess. That was I so remember. much better than I was expecting. Oh, god damn it! <laughs> I was hoping for some utter dog shit. I mean, it's you. In most instances, if you ask me to do anything, you would be right. <laughs> So you had a fair fair shot there. Um, sure. All right. Do you have any preference on where we start today? No. All right. Then let's start on a lighthearted note. Let's start with Borat because um, it's easy. So Borat, subsequent movie film, or its full title, Borat, subsequent movie film, delivery of prodigious bribe to American regime for make benefit once glorious nation of Kazakhstan. Um, that's right. That's the I title. I prefer Borat uh, too. Yep, Electric Boogaloo uh, mm. is a uh, came out in 2020. It was directed by uh, Jason Woliner. Uh, it has 11 writing credits. The screenplay is by Sasha Baron Cohen, Anthony Hines, Dan Swimmer, Peter Bainham, Erica Rivenoja, Rivenoja, I'm not sure, Dan Mazur, Jenna Friedman, and Lee Kern. The story is by Sasha Baron Cohen, Anthony Hines, Dan Swimmer, Swimmer, uh, and Nina Pedron, based on a character by Sasha Baron Cohen. which is just so much, so much. That's so much too to many people. That's too many people. It's a, a lot of people. You need um, less people working on that film. Which is crazy, considering this is an improvised. Uh, well, you know, a lot of the dialogue is based on improvisation, due to the fact that the non-actors in the film had, you know, weren't their lines weren't scripted. But anyway, uh. Is film stars Sasha Baron Cohen, Maria Bakalova, and Tom Hanks, <laughs> who has a very brief appearance in this film. Um, which, you know, I guess that counts. I don't see an estimated budget. Um, 10 to 20 million dollars. There is no box office because there is no box office. Um, this is an Amazon Prime release, so much like we always say with the streaming services, as we've been saying this entire year, um, there's just no box office to to share because um, there's no box office. Um, I have a tagline. The tagline is "A Legend Returns." That's not good. Fucking whatever, right? Like, all right, yeah. phone it in. It's um, just so whatever. So this film has two, uh, two. Count them, two Oscars nominations, uh, which is might seem hilarious, but, you know, Borat 1 also had an Oscar nomination. Um, so this film was nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay. Um, the original Borat film was nominated um, for Best uh, 
Oh, sorry, same category. Also best adapted screenplay. So two for two on that with Borat films. This one is an additional nomination for Maria Bakalova for best performance by an actress in a supporting role. Um, yeah, I actually you know I want to talk about that. Well, we'll save it for the end. Then I changed my mind. Uh, the film okay. is about Borat returning from Kazakhstan to America, and this time he reveals more about the American culture of the COVID nineteen pandemic and the political elections. Um, Corwin, we haven't really been operating too much on a who picked what movie. Do you want to start with this one, or do you want me to start with this one and you start with, with Billie Holiday? Uh, okay, I'll go, just because I feel like I am I have more to say about Borat than I do about Billie Holiday. Um, right. I really just felt like there's certain things that this film does well like it it sets up these situations and draws out these reactions from whoever i guess the subject is for it i I don't know if subject would be the right term for it but the the people in the surrounding area or the people they're targeting the way they set up these situations to draw out their reactions is effective it's they succeed in doing what they're trying to do and you know certain scenes more than others which i'm sure we all know which one we're talking about is done significantly better than i ever would have expected but at the same time i don't know if this movie really is deserving of the budget increase and if that budget increase and the increase in production just the higher quality graded film like technically higher quality makes this a better movie or if it's just better fit for what it was originally which is just like a a bottom of the barrel budget indie feel just gritty type kind of movie and just the way the presentation of borat one was significantly better than the presentation of borat two and i can't say that I've really put my finger on exactly what it is, but I think it does have a lot to do with that production. Um, and honestly, at the end of the day, I just think Borat was a product of its time and the same kind of humor and jokes that they're now playing off as just heightened versions of what it used to be. Just, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's appropriate and is comfortable in the world we live in today. I did not love this movie, if you could not pick up on that so far. Yeah, I mean, I, I, well, so your feelings on the original Borat, when did you watch the original Borat? Because the the original Borat came in 2006, so you were... Probably not till like 2010. uh, Okay. Yeah, probably like 7th, 8th grade, maybe. And believe me, I was the target demographic. Uh, there were a lot of really good bits and sketches that were in the first movie that I remember enjoying and laughing at as a, like a, a 13 year old kid. And there was also a lot that just was like, I, this is dumb and I don't care for it. And overall I, I didn't think it lived up to expectations and I didn't love it. I thought it was, it was funny at times, but it wasn't something I I ever have gone back and rewatched. Interesting. Okay. Are you are you a Sasha Baron Cohen fan? No, not yeah. Well, you know specifically. No, you're never a fan of like the Ollie G show 
Uh, like Bruno wasn't for me. Um, the new show he did most recently, the political commentary one, was the one I enjoyed the most. Uh, but even then, it's like, eh, it's, it's whatever. I'm going to actually look up okay. the rest of his films to see if there's any that stick out. Because uh, I, I liked this more than you. Um, I am a fan of Sasha Baron Cohen. I think he's a very smart guy in general. If you ever hear him talk, it's wildly different than hearing him in these movies. Uh, but what I think he does very effectively in the films is that I think it gets lost in the mayhem, the point he's often trying to make. And I'm not trying to say he does, that there's any degree of subtlety anywhere in here because there's, there's none. I, I mean, it's it's the it's the type of movie it is. There, there's there's no subtlety here, but I do think that the what he's attempting to do in the way he targets people and ideas and brings about um, various seemingly nice and everyday people's different bigot uh, bigotries and um, moral lackings is largely the point of this film and the mm-hmm. point of Borat, the original. Um, it's not, and it hides it behind the the mayhem and the chaos that is all of the gags and whatnot. Um, but largely the point of these movies is that here is a, you know, quote unquote foreign man with his own wacky ideas from a country you've never heard of, um, who is, is going to propose to you a bunch of... Um, very morally backwards concepts and you'll then going to be shocked by how many people are just okay with that or openly support it. And part of it's to show that, you know, these things that we consider foreign backwards, ridiculous are present in our society in, um, in America today in America in 20, 2006 and you know, all over the place. And that's largely the point of the movies, in addition to being zany and wacky. You know, like the idea that Sasha Baron Cohen uh, gets a, a shipment that ends up being a human woman and then convinces the guy that opened the box for him to just close the box on this person and essentially just be like, all right, I guess I'm now part of a human trafficking thing, is like wild. And... Yeah, it's there to be a joke, because it's, it, I mean, it is a joke. But it's, you know, it's also there to show, like, the, the people will do kind of whatever. Whether it fits their moral scheme or not. Like, the chanting and singing at the uh, quasi-QAnon rally. Um, you know, those people were primed for that type of shit anyway. Baron Cohen's mm-hmm. just kind of, you know, pulling it out of him a little bit. Yeah, I was going to say that that seems like an audience that didn't necessarily need many, you know, much coaxing to get behind throwing up those, you know, sick hiles and shit like that. No, they did not. Yeah. No, they did not. And I wholeheartedly agree with you. I mean, the social commentary aspect of this is fantastic. And it's always been what makes Sasha Baron Cohen a, you know, by all means, I don't like his comedy. Or I I don't like his films. I love the work that he does because it is such a well done social commentary on 
the people around us and the people in this country. I just don't like the way it was stretched out and strung together to create a film under a singular narrative arc. Sketch-wise, I think this would be perfect, which I'm sure would be more of the Ali G show. I've never actually seen it. Um, I just don't like this being forced into a, a singular narrative piece with just really like the actual acting dr- dramatized scenes between Sasha Baron Cohen and his quote unquote daughter. I do not know the actress's name. I apologize. Maria is, Bakalova. Thank you. Maria Bakalova. I, I can't say I liked almost any of those. It it's just that's not for me. I I didn't find it funny or enjoyable. I just I was there for the interactions with the unsuspecting passerbys or you know the people they were trying to coax things out of. That's what made this movie funny, and that's what I laughed at, uh, and then got sad at realizing how many people around me are like that. Um, but yeah, definitely think Sasha Baron Cohen very very smart comedian oh yeah super smart dude and and that, that that's basically what i was building at which is i obviously this movie is ridiculous mm-hmm. but i also don't want it to be dismissed as ridiculous because it is very well done which is why it got a best writing nomination but that doesn't mean you have to enjoy the comedy or the way this type of movie is going to go because those are two very specific things that you're you're not gonna you know it it it's it's an acquired taste, and you either got it or you don't. And there's nothing wrong with it, you know. Like the fact that you're sitting here telling me that you don't like this this brand of comedy that shouldn't be surprising to anybody. This is a very specific style of comedy, um, and a very specific way to structure a film. Um, now, do you? So this is the second. Well, I guess both Borat films, like I said, were nominated for for best screenplays. Um, what do you make of that nomination for a movie like this? I can almost appreciate that it's the Academy acknowledging the work that Sasha Baron Cohen does. Like this isn't improv. This is very, very strategically fabricated scenarios to elicit responses from people that while very, very different than the rest of the nominees and that you are not writing both sides of the dialogue, it's that much harder to get the responses that you're looking for. Like when you write a film, you want a, you know an Aaron Sorkin punchline right there. Aaron Sorkin knows how to build up to that, knows what to say to make sense for what brings out that response. It doesn't need to force that response you need to force these people to react in a certain way without forcing them you have to coax them into it you have to convince them you have to trick them whatever you need to do to get them to say a certain thing there's so many more variables there's so much you have to control i love that they are acknowledging how much harder that is to create and while i don't know i'd have to you know look through the nominee list and you know finish watching all the films to make that decision i definitely think it's better than some in this category i won't necessarily say it's 
Aaron Sorkin. Oh, shoot. Yeah. No, it's Aaron Sorkin. I love you. You've done so much to my life, but fucking try something new. You know, please. (laughs) Please, please, please. Yeah, and that's, I I think we're going to end up having a very similar conversation when I ask you about the uh, Best Supporting Actress nomination in a second. Um, but you know it like when you when you watch the Eric Andre show, are you a fan of the Eric Andre show? I like certain bits. I can't say I've watched it regularly. I haven't watched it through since like season three, maybe. Maybe I stopped season three, but I have not seen the whole show. I just no. it was it got too much for me. That's one of my favorite shows. Um, right. I love that show. I'm not, and I'm also, I also, again, very specific style of comedy. I very much don't understand why you couldn't keep watching it, or why you didn't keep up with it at any rate. Um, and that show, those those gags are, you know, there's no through line through that runs through them, and there's also no limit to how many times you can kind of do them. You know, like if 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 a sketch that Eric plans out and the writing team doesn't pan out the way they wanted it to, they can either opt to one, try it again at a different location somewhere else within Manhattan or Queens or wherever it is they shoot that show, or just scrap that shit all together and just go with a different gag, supplant it with something else because it's something else zany and whacked and weird that doesn't need to tie in to the rest of the show because none of the gags do. This, you have to do that. And there's a lot of characters that and people that run through the film that require you to have some level of continued interaction with them. And I think that is what makes the writing of this so delicate because if you go about certain interactions and don't elicit the response that allots for the continuation of your interaction that you were hoping for, well, you've either got to massively pivot the entire film um, or try to do it again, which is what led to Sasha Baron Cohen living with those two rednecks for, like, I think five entire days. Um, Holy while shit. they built up... Yeah, he no, he lived with them for, like, five days before they ended up actually shooting their scenes together. That's um, fucking fantastic. Yeah, and, and it's the same reason, um, you know, like, Sasha Baron Cohen had to wait in the bathroom at CPAC for, I think they said five hours before Mike Pence's speech was eventually about to start so that he could run out there and not get dragged away immediately just wandering around in yes. the you know, yeah. apparel that he was in. Um, hmm. And that, that's some, that's planning and dedication and, and uh, just a very, very difficult skill to plan around, and I think part of the idea of the writing of this is also the staging of this. Um, which I, I think combining those two aspects paints a better picture of where this nomination comes from. Which I also appreciate. I have listened to some interviews with Sasha Baron Cohen about the making of uh, I, I guess it was the first no, I guess it would be Bruno, maybe. Either way, whatever situation called for, uh, they basically set up this cage fight match, which they... This is, adver- this is Bruno. You know what I'm yeah. talking about? Yeah. 
do you want to tell the story? Because I'm a bit hazy on the specific details of it. I just know how much. I know the key parts. I just don't know if I know all the details. So no, I think you're gonna have to tell because I haven't heard this story, but I know this scene that you're talking about. Okay, so basically, he went to all of these different security contractors and was asked them, "Hey, I want to stage this MMA fight, and I want to quote unquote prank." all of the people that pay to come see this, all of these rednecks, all of these, you know, deep woods, West Virginia country folk, uh, by basically causing the ref and one of the fighters to start like making out in the ring. And that's the whole premise of the bit. And then, you know, Oh, blah, 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 blah. We're, we go from super hick, you know, hero of the crowd to this, just antichrist awful person that they all universally hate and his question to each one of these security contractors was how do you get me out and 99.9 percent of them all said we can't these people will turn on you it will be a mob there's no way to get you out like you cannot do this please do not try to do this and there was one guy who was like okay i got you he apparently had worked in like Iraq and Afghanistan, like overseas as like a security contractor for like high level guys. Just this is what he did professionally. He was a you know creative with it. So what they did was they built an armored tunnel, a reinforced tunnel underneath the stage, underneath the the ring, essentially, where they had this cage match with a, a big cage going up. And then in the center it would drop down. It was a raised platform and he'd be able to crawl or crouch and and get out to uh the cars where there was this reinforced tunnel along the way that you know they couldn't get to him perfect idea and then i these are the details i'm forgetting is something happens where it all goes wrong and this is like an actual honest to god angry mob charging at him like breaking into the ring um and i'm sure you could look up the interview i I wish i you know had the ability to play it cut it in here whatever just so i don't butcher the story and you could have a, a satisfying ending but the lengths in which they go to to do these kinds of bits these high level bits like performing at cpap trying to fuck rudy giuliani like it's intensive intensive work that has all of the same intensive planning as like a a fucking Mad Max Fury Road stunt scene just without that same level of excitement and with an added level of unpredictability which I fucking love like those are the kind of things where you watch a, a Mad Max movie you know he's going to be fine in the end you know deep down you know the back of your head he's going to be okay he's the hero and you know twists happen sure there's you know uh those kind of things happen and those twists happens it, like it and they surprise you and that's what makes them so uh powerful but this is real life there generally genuinely isn't anything controlling the outcome of this it could go any which way possible and that's what's so effective and i love it that's what i love about these movies I, th- I again, I, I th- really think you hit the nail on the head with it. Um, 
Yeah, the only other the only other thing I w- I'm going to say about about the um, the I guess writing or presentation of it, just to illustrate a point that I had made earlier, um, is when you watch this, just think about who is painted in a positive light and who's painted in a negative light, and why. And you'll very quickly realize the point that this movie's trying to make. Um, working class people are often p- portrayed. Um, who you, you might have somewhat of a of an odd opinion of a professional babysitter who um, it takes in this girl with a literal ball and chain ends up being a fucking sweetheart of a lady. The manners people? Oh, actually, no. The manners people might have been Borat one. I think I'm conflating that. Yeah. Oh, the no. This is this one had the ball. The ball people? Oh, they really fucked with the people at the ball. <laughs> that scene was rough. Um, that was the worst thing I've moved in. A long time that was brutal that was fucking awful well, that what? like let's, genuinely made me angry let, let let's pivot into into maria ba- bakalova then because uh before you, know, you she... do i just want to say the people that were not painted in a positive light are the bakers who are just super super anti-semitic and are totally okay with it the bakers yeah the lady who like oh, the right. frosting the yeah like yeah jews will never stop us and she's like okay anything else you'd like today and it's like oh that did not phase you in the slightest yeah okay yeah let's move on on faith oh that's another thing the uh the the old jewish women in the temple at Mm -hmm. the end and and the or the near middle end of the middle whatever um not scripted which feels like beautiful 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 scene and it's one of the things that, that Sasha Baron Cohen also has in the original Borat, which is um, him acting ridiculously worked up and anti-Semitic towards uh, Jewish folk for them to just be, like, really fucking nice. And, you know, mm-hmm. the idea is that he is presenting the audience with stereotypes and then immediately presenting people who do not fit stereotypes to show you that these stereotypes are ridiculous and that they're, you know, a lot of these types of beliefs are wholly unfounded um yeah such love those sweet little old women the one that touches his face reminds me a lot of my own grandmother makes me isn't, very happy isn't he jewish he is jewish yes he is he's who speaking would, hebrew who would, who the entire film uh, i don't speak hebrew so I, that's I part no i'm saying that, that, that's part of the joke of, of his character is that sasha baron cohen who is fluent in hebrew speaks hebrew for the entire film nobody speaking a foreign language in any of the borat films are speaking the same foreign language really um yeah, it's, so that's one of the other parts of the, the jokes of Borat is that, um, I believe Sacha Baron Cohen's quote is that um, the joke is that Americans can't distinguish between any foreign languages because they think they all sound the same. So Sacha Baron Cohen is speaking Hebrew, Maria Bakalova is speaking Bulgarian, the uh, prime, the premier of Kazakhstan, I think, is speaking Armenian? Uh, like, no one's speaking the same language. I mean, it... it... <laughs> I will say, like, if he was speaking some Southeast Asian language and she was speaking some, you know, Romance language or some Nordic language, like, he's at least picking a bunch of languages that do naturally sound similar. I'm not saying they sound close to, you know, as someone who has no godly idea how to speak any other language. Bulgarian and Hebrew sound nothing alike, my friend. Okay, well then, yeah. fuck me, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> they, they sound nothing alike. <laughs> um, and that, I think, 
pivots well into a, 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 another good transition into uh, Maria Bakalova, which is um, the idea that the the timing, the comedic timing it takes to really have no clue what the other person is saying in terms of where they are in the script and having to go strictly off of uh, intonation and body language and to some degree literal, like how long has this person been time uh, been talking for? Uh, and then turn that into your interruptions, your continuations of thought, the beginning of your sentences is really impressive. And the two of them do a really great job of it. Um, again, considering the fact that they do not speak the other one's language. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure with how much they rehearse these kind of things, I'm sure it's not incredibly difficult to to know the cues and to listen to those keywords. I'm assuming that's how it was done to, you know, the key that they wanted it. But at the same time, you're you're absolutely right. Like, it's a lot of body language. It's a lot of just feeling the situation. And that is definitely one of the innate characteristics of, you know, Sasha Baron Cohen's work is you don't need to understand the language to get the joke. It's not understanding that's a key part. So it it, it works well in, on any side of the coin. I think I made that idiom work. I don't know. I think you did too. And I think what makes Maria Bakalova's uh, performance so interesting is... For Sasha Baron Cohen in both Borat and Borat 2, um, he is not really required to put himself out there in any kind of like personal way. You know, there's a there's a there's an emotional distance because of how outlandish the things he's doing. They don't really come back to tie into him in any type of way. Um, but what Maria Bakalova is asked to do is her scenes with other people oftentimes lend itself to being a little bit more intimate, talking with um, the uh, uh, professional babysitter, talking with the Instagram influencer, uh, and talking with the women, <laughs> the Republican women thing. Um, and then the, the scene at the ball, those all require a lot more of her putting herself out there than I think Baron Cohen does. And, a very strict committal to the ludicrous things that she's doing that do have some, you know, tying back to, that are at least a little bit more personal feeling. Again, I'm sure Maria Bakalova wasn't, didn't think she had teeth in her vagina, but at the same time, talking about um, anything to do with your own genitalia in the sincere fashion as she had to do, I'm sure was a little bit more than Sasha Baron Cohen making jokes about buttholes. Um, as he did in Borat 1. And I think the idea of that, really having to commit to that shit, um, and doing so as, as well as she did, I think is an interesting way, or an interesting performance to be recognized by the Academy for, for uh, Best Supporting Actress. I'll definitely what agree that it's, it? it's, I'll definitely agree that it's interesting. Um, don't get me wrong, I'm sure it's incredibly hard to stick with those bits and, and basically keep that focus, keep that calm, you know, keep yourself from breaking out, you know, in laughter that I know for a fact I would in these situations, or I would just get so fucking awkward and just cringe up, I'd be like, I, I can't do it. Um, 
you know, not a professionally trained actor. Uh, I can't say I've attempted this. I don't necessarily think it's something I would consider worthy of a best supporting actress nominee or at least, you know, winning the Oscar. Um, so I will agree that's an interesting nod. I, I don't think I would consider her in my ballot. Yeah, I mean, it's a performance I don't think either of us had heard much chatter about before the nominations came out. Um, and it's not one... Me having seen the film... This is my second time watching because I had watched it before um, the Oscar nominees had come out since I didn't assume it was going to get nominated for anything. Um, it's not one I had heard a lot about, uh, but she's been getting a lot of love as the uh, awards have been kind of rolling in, which has been interesting. Again, because um, I'm, I'm, I'm maybe a little bit more favorable than you, but basically where you are, this isn't... Um, it's an interesting choice. It's a, it definitely challenges a lot of, I guess, you know, how you view acting nominations in the Academy's purview, since there's not really any other acting nomination that looks anything like this performance. And maybe capturing that singularity somewhere in there is what the Academy wanted to recognize. Uh, I'm not really sure. Uh, I'm not sure what I would do if I had to vote for it, but I, I, I think the fact that the Academy is doing something different like this and recognizing a different style of acting, or at least a different context of acting, has its value. So I'm okay. I'm cool. I'm cool with it. Again, I'm not sure it would have been. I'm not trying to say I wouldn't have made the uh vote to put her in the uh the nominees but i'm not sure i would have even i'm not sure what have crossed my fucking mind you know what i mean yeah I, i'd agree with that okay um yeah then i don't really have <laughs> anything else to say um some, i will i will bits. say uh, I did not expect Rudy Giuliani to have committed that hard to try to bang this chick. I thought it was like a little overblown. I didn't think it would get that bad. It was fucking ugly. Oh my god. Yes, Rudy Giuliani is nominated for two Razzies for his performance in this film. Deserving. Yeah, yeah. That plus maybe some jail time, but whatever. <laughs> um, it, so there are some scenes in this film that did not make it uh to to the final product apparently uh there were scenes with Sid Miller, Donald Trump Jr. and Donald Trump that ended up getting cut from this film and there is apparently a scene in which Maria Bakalova got into the White House and was interviewed by Chanel Rion of OAN but that also did not make it into the film I want to know what the key point was that caused you think caused these things to be cut. Um, it's got to be something exciting. I yeah, I mean, I can't imagine that like White House Secret Service was super thrilled that someone just got into the White House while faking press credentials. <laughs> would would be my guess as to why that scene got cut, but I have yeah, no idea. I, but it's I hilarious. can see them not wanting that to be you know, broadcast to all of the free world. 
Yeah, especially since that happened in September, and then, you know, like a casual four months later, everyone got into the Capitol Little building who tried. Um, so. Yeah, yeah, not a great look. Um, so those are those are some fun moments, uh, or some fun facts from the film. Uh, Corwin, let's do some final ratings and reviews. This was, uh, you started on the front end, so why don't you get us started here on the back end? Uh... I can't say I would recommend people watch this as a film. Watch the highlights on YouTube. Uh, I'm going to give it a two. Because I think the writing is good. And there are some really good scenes. And any other film where it's like, oh, it has some good scenes would never score this high. But because it is essentially a sketch comedy movie. Uh, I'll give it a two. I, uh, I'm i with you. I'm going to give this a pretty weird rating because uh, sometimes when I give ratings, I make caveats about genre and where they sit within those genres. Because um, you're right, I probably wouldn't necessarily recommend this movie to anybody, but this falls under the classification of guilty pleasure movies. So this is going to end up being like a three and a half for me. Um it's not great, but it's good. And if I'm like super bored and it like pops up on my Amazon Prime, I'll probably watch it again. Okay. Um, so there, I that's was, where my reviews rating's gonna sit. I was genuinely thinking about my all-time favorite guilty pleasure movie today uh, in the car. Uh, do you have one that's your go-to? Like all-time, not like like the. The Big Lebowski is one of my favorite films all time. I don't really consider it my guilty pleasure movie because it's like innately, you know, objectively a great movie. Exactly. Do you have one that is your go-to guilty pleasure? I don't know. I'm not not sure I have a go-to guilty pleasure. I rewatched Pitch Perfect the other day and I thought to myself, would I change the channel if anybody came in? And I was like, you know, I might. Um, Only because... I'm also singing along to all the songs, and I don't want to get caught mm-hmm. doing that. Um, <laughs> so maybe that, but I also haven't thought too much about it. Why? What's yours? Uh, the Devil Wears Prada. Oh, that's I such a good movie. Adore that movie. Such a good movie. Stephen Tucci. Oh, be my dad. Stephen Tucci's wonderful in everything. What? When is his new movie coming out? I didn't realize he had a new movie. Do you know? Do you know? Oh, it's um, Supernova. Maybe it already did come out. It says 2020. January 29th, 2021. Okay, never mind. Yeah, I couldn't tell. I was you, but... really, really excited to see that. Oh, all right. Um, let's, uh, let's pivot on over and talk about um, the other film we have for our Oscars nomination Roundup, uh, uh, the United States versus Billy Holiday. Um, hold on one second. Okay, so we're almost done with Best Adapted Screenplay. Interesting. Two movies left. Sorry, I just want to check, as you said earlier. I wonder what the... We haven't watched the other nominees. I was just wondering. Anyway, um, so United States, is, United States versus Billy Holiday uh, came out this year, 2021, out on Hulu. Directed by Lee Daniels, screenplay by Susan Laurie Parks, based on the book Chasing the Scream by Johan Hari. It stars Andrew Day, Travante Rhodes, and Garrett Hedlund. 
Uh, let's see. This was another uh, streaming pick, so I'm not sure if we're going to get too much financial information. And on neither Wikipedia nor IMDb am I seeing an estimated budget nor a box office. So uh, all shoulders over here. Who the fuck knows? Um, the tagline is, her voice will not be silenced. Until I turn off the movie. Uh, yeah. This has one Oscar nomination. Only one. It is nominated for Best Performance by an Actress in a Leading Role for Andra Day. Um, this is also, I believe, her acting debut? Or her, um, screen debut. Sorry, there I should say. Screen debut for Andra Day. Uh, this film follows Billie Holiday during her career as she is targeted by the Federal Department of Narcotics with an undercover sting operation led by black federal agent Jimmy Fletcher, with whom she had a tumultuous affair. Uh, Corwin started on the last one. I will start with this one. But, Corwin, I'm going to start with a question um, to gauge once again your musical background. Are you a Billie Holiday fan slash did you grow up listening to Billie Holiday? Uh, I will answer you. I will answer you with saying that I googled who Billie Holiday was when I turned this movie on. Gotcha. Um, I have I have a slight reverence for Billie Holiday. She was a big part of my jazz musical education. I have a box set of vinyl of Billie Holiday. She was one of my grandfather's favorite musicians. Um, I love Billie Holiday. When I first heard this, I thought it was about Buddy Holly. Oh no! Yeah. No, no, he's the plane yeah. crash guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's okay when I I forget who I mentioned this movie to, and the person said, "Oh, the guy from Green Day." Yes. It's like, nope, not him. I forget it's Billy. Yeah, you know who that was. Was that? Oh, was that you? That might have been me. <laughs> that might have been you. Oh shit! <laughs> I don't talk to many people. It probably was you. Yeah. Um. So anyway, what kills me about this movie is it fucking sucks. This is <laughs> yeah, awful. This is fucking it's awful. It's so fucking boring. And it's and it's so boring in such a different way than One Night in Miami was boring. The problem with this film is that it took such surface level bullshit that barely scratches the surface of who Billie Holiday was and reflects back on her and I think what is an ultimately extremely dismissive and bullshit fashion as to who she was as a woman, um, as a musician and as a black woman in America, that I think it's just flat out fucking disrespectful. I mean, this movie's fucking insane in every single choice it chose to make. The only good part about this film is Andra Day, who I will say does turn in a very nice performance and does a good job singing. Um, in the style of Billie Holiday, while having kind of having a much raspier voice than Billie Holiday, who had a little bit more full of a voice in her earlier years, um, and it it just doesn't make any fucking sense. Like the idea that this film is about Billie Holiday's strange fruit, um, and it doesn't get into that at all, is such disrespectful nonsense. This is a song, Strange Fruit, which is about lynchings in the South. 
at a time when it was still a, not like super commonplace, but pretty commonplace thing that happened in America to the point where they were writing poems and songs about it and doesn't get into any degree of Billie Holiday's connection to it other than I am black. That's it. That's it. They take about an hour and a half to show that she saw the lynching and, and show that scene. And That's also, like in the last like five so, minutes of the movie. And that that point I, I wanted to get at too. I'm not sh- I'm not sure what that was. I don't know if it because, was real. But well, that's what I'm getting at. I I've read a decent amount about Billie Holiday's life over the course of my life. I'm not claiming to be any type of expert. I have not read a lot of uh, books. I mainly have I've read a, a bunch of articles about Billie Holiday because I'm too squirmy for, for a lot of books. I'm very lazy. Um, I've never heard that story, and that's not to say it didn't happen. But it, it it seems like if it was such a major event, it would have. And the other thing about it is that that scene seems to be in there to let you... I, so I, it can be interpreted one of two ways in, in my mind. Either she saw that lynching while they were on the road for the tour, and that's what convinced her to keep singing the song, or they were presenting it as a flashback, because that weird trippy scene comes on the heels of a flashback. Um, and it's supposed to help you understand what informed Billy holiday to write the song strange fruit. But the problem with that is Billy holiday didn't write the song strange fruit, which also gets no mentioned in this film, which is only important if I want to get an understanding of why it connects to Billy holiday so much. Strange fruit was written by a Jewish man in the Bronx. Like, Billie Holiday picked it up after it started gaining traction in jazz clubs. Actually, in teachers' union meetings. Because the this Jewish man, oh my god, was an Abel something. I forget his name. Uh, but he, he would sing the song. Abel Miropol. Yeah, yeah, that, that's right. Um, he, would, he would sing the song that he, he, he wrote and put music to at uh, like teachers' union meetings in the Bronx. And then it became like a thing that they would do um, as, a, as, a, as a, you know, a prayer for progress, basically. And then it ended up getting more attention. And uh, then it started getting picked up by uh, musicians. And Billie Holiday found her way to it <coughs> and, and, you know, latched onto it. And it really became a Billie Holiday song, which was very important for, for Billie Holiday. It was important for the movement. It was important for the time. And the idea that it's not hers but it is hers, is that level of depth, which is a fucking puddle, might I add, that this movie doesn't even fucking try to answer to you. You are supposed to accept that Billie Holiday went through all of this strife for a song that she didn't write, that it never tell for a song, I'll just put it that way, for a song, because it's a song about how life is tough for black people and Billie Holiday is black. And is that valid? Sure, it's valid. But they don't even really say that. They just, like, let you assume it and then keep it fucking moving. And the fact that they reduced Billie Holiday's entire entire childhood down to one shitty flashback and a brief mention of the fact that she was raped when she was 10 in, like, a throwaway line is ridiculous. Ridiculous. Like, this is one of the most tragic and important figures in American music history. And they boiled down her entire story, her entire beginning, to a fucking flashback. It's mind-blowingly stupid. 
and so disrespectful. Like, yeah, part of and... part of who Billy. So I'm sorry, I'm, I'm ranting, but I'm going to finish. Go ahead. <laughs> the part of what makes Billy Holiday such an important part of music history is that this is a woman who had all of these horrible. She who became a prostitute at the age of 14 because she worked and lived in a brothel and like kind of had to had no formal music training was working at a jazz club to make extra money while she was still hooking had and then had some innate inward ability to find music in a timing and rhythm and pattern that really i and i can't stress this enough did not exist before billy holiday and did so with a very limited range billy holiday did not have a wide vocal range. She was not a big singer. She was a smart and precise singer. And that intellect came seemingly from fucking nowhere. And that's what makes her such an interesting and relevant figure in music is that the idea is it was kind of just in her fucking bones. And this film just doesn't get into any of what made this woman herself. This movie is honestly... Uh, one of my notes is that Billie Holiday is a supporting act character in this film. This film might as well be about the fucking FBI guy. It's ridiculous. I I I cannot emphasize how much I hated this movie. Uh, I can't say I have anywhere close to the feelings that you have because this is like the whole. This is it. Like this is all I know about Billie Holiday. I I thought one of the better things this movie did was build up the song strange fruit they talk about it and talk about it talk about it. they finally play it it's this beautiful powerful song and i thought wow that's really great like that's a they did a good job of building this up it's not even her fucking song apparently what the fuck like that's pretty fucking huge that uh you know i what i was gonna say earlier is you know they completely skip over her childhood. Sure, absolutely. It, it's almost not mentioned at all. It's it's such a throwaway scene. And like the whole premise of like who she is as a person at the end of this film is a selfish, drug addicted slut. Like several, several parts of this film are decided on the fact that it's like, oh, Billy Holiday, she can't resist any man. Like, ah, oh, just go, you know, you'll be fine. Just go in there, sweet talker. Yeah, she'll put out. It's like, well, shit, like, is this... I get, like, she is a, a tragic person, and her the characterization of her life is a tragic story. Um, At the same time, I feel like they didn't do much to kind of show the good side along with the bad. They really emphasized the bad. And just the shittiness of the situation and not that, you know, warm heart, silver lining that redeems her personally. I don't, I honestly can't say I could put much attention towards this because of how much I didn't care about anything going on and how fucking bored I was watching it. I was losing concentration left and right. Yeah. And, uh, Corin and I talked about it before he watched it. Cause I, I watched it like a day before he did. And did I not tell you, like, we thought it was ending, and then there was, like, another 40 minutes left, and then everything after that still sucked? Nope. Nope. 
I had that moment at minute 33. Oh, God. It's brutal. Um, and it's a two-hour and ten-minute movie? For no reason. And so that's the other thing. 30 minutes in, I thought I was halfway. Oh, my so God. So I, I, I have a lot of gripes with this film structurally as well. Um, and part of that is that they named the movie The United States versus Billie Holiday. And so I thought, in my naivete, that that was drawn from a famous Billie Holiday quote, which is, comes from her first trial for drugs that you see in the film very, very briefly, like less than two minutes, but when she goes to jail for a year, in which she said, um, something to the effect of, you know, they said the trial was the United States versus Billie Holiday, and I, in that moment I really felt it because uh, no one came to defend me. Because famously she didn't have a lawyer present for like a large portion of her trial. Uh, and they just like did it anyway. And I thought that was going to be the movie. I thought they were going to build up to that moment. And then it got a passing fucking remark. And then like, again, it was like a, it was like one scene and then they just moved on. So that drove me fucking nuts. Um, to get back to your point about the idea that Billie Holiday just kind of fucked around is that they didn't need to make that necessarily a bad thing because part of one of the aspects of Billie Holiday as a person was that she didn't give a shit. And that's honestly part of what makes her, made her great. She had sex with a lot of men. She had sex with women at a point in time when homosexual homosexuality was obviously still frowned upon um, by a greater society and also very uncommon within the black community. Um, the idea that she was into drugs uh, was also part of this idea that she kind of did what she wanted in a way that you could express as a mode of feminism before that particular style of feminism really hit mainstream America, not until like the late 60s. And this film chose to display it as pure anguish. Now, is there anguish within there? Of course. But by having both, you might accidentally paint someone as a person instead of just, as you said, pain upon pain upon pain. And oh my God, what the fuck's the point? Like, that's, is that's there nothing. Is there a point? I don't think there is. There, there, oh, there, there just isn't. Um, they really did her dirty. They did her so fucking dirty. Um, like, you know, uh, uh, oh, God, what's her name? Natasha, uh, the, uh, the loud Jewish woman who's in the movie. Uh, Orange is the New Black Girl. Yeah, you know her? Uh, I know she's in Orange is the New Black and she eats muff. Yeah, like, she, she's, her and Billie Holiday have, like, an affair for, too. like, a while. And it, like, barely gets a passing mention. And that's the thing, that this film did that throughout the whole movie, passing mentions of these, you know, kind of important parts of Billie Holiday's life, but then spent so much goddamn time on the FBI agent. Did you give a shit about that FBI agent? Uh, no. And I'll be honest, very confused by his actual intentions pretty much from the second he says he's an FBI agent. I. Uh, He's like the guy who's a, an agent and then a double agent and then a triple agent and then a quadruple agent and then nobody can keep track of it anymore. Again, I was not laser focused on this film because I found it nearly impossible to be. 
I by the end I just chose to not like him because at the end of the day, kind of a fucking asshole and didn't do much to redeem himself, if at all, and I didn't care about him. Or did they shove him down our throat? Yeah, I, I know what you mean, though. Um, I think he's I'm supposed saying, to be this I, movie's... I do want to say, shoving him down our throat as in he was the lead male character, so I, I guess as a film I shouldn't be complaining about that, but just the way that it was well, presented, it, it was shoving it down our throat. Yeah, I, I just because don't think this movie needed a lead male character. It could have just been Billie Holiday the whole time, like most biopics are, question mark. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, he. Um, I think he was supposed to be this movie's Lakeith Stanfield, a la Judas and the Black Messiah, um, but they did a significantly worse job writing him. Um, so much worse. Oh my God, so bad. Um, Maybe they could have borrowed some of Borat's 15 writers. <laughs> yeah, like that would save this movie. Um, what did you think about the wacky cinematography in this? Uh, it I did not care for it. It was, like, awful, right? Yeah, I did not care for it. Usually something I very much focus on and almost always love, did not care for it. And then what did you think about the idea that this movie in large part starts off with the Billy Holly walking into an interview, a radio interview. Um, and then that almost never comes up again. What are you talking about? They had that 30 second follow-up at the end of the movie. Cause it leads you to think like, Oh, there'll be like voice over here and there exposition. You know, there can be mm-hmm. a dialogue as a run of the film. And then no, nah, why would you need to support any of that? Why? Oh, God, just next level fucking insane. Um, I don't know, man. I, I have other notes. I, I just don't care. Do you have anything else you want to say? No. No, okay, I good. don't. Oh, my God, um, I'm yawning through it just talking about it. I know, and I, I, I hope Hulu takes this movie down. Like, I really hope Hulu goes, we made a mistake. We're sorry. Um, yeah, and I mean, takes this well. down. They, like th- I mean, this gets this gets a half star no, for me because there's no reason not to. No, and it's Oscar nominated, so they're gonna keep it up. But th- th- this is this is a solid half star for me. That entire half star is Andrew Day. Um, everything else about this <sighs> this is a fucking slop fest. This is awful. This is yeah. so bad. I'll give it a half a star just for the music, and that's coming from someone who fucking despises musicals. Yeah, and I I think the fact that you and I are both shitting on it, uh, coming from completely different ends of the spectrum of what we like from these types of movies, our background history on Billie Holiday, all that shit, should let anybody listen to this know, this genuinely is a terrible movie. This is so incredibly bad. Please don't watch this. I won't ever again. Excellent. All right. So that then brings us into next week's Oscars picks as we keep rolling along towards the big day. Um, we're going to once again have two more films as we try to keep pace with uh, what we've got to do uh, to get caught up in time for the Academy Awards. We're going to do two more of the. Uh, more sparsely nominated films. 
So, to that effect, we will be watching uh, the... Oh, what language is this movie? Hold on one second. Oh, I should have had this up. Uh, I don't think it is. I thought it was Danish. Um, Another round, which is Dutch? Fuck. Why is it not obvious where you're from? Denmark. Is that is that Dutch or is that Danish? Yes. It depends what area. But yes. Okay. So I'll claim credit. The it's, Dutch it's, movie. It's, uh, we're gonna leave it no, there. No. Denmark is uh, never mind. Danish? It's yeah. Okay. Denmark is the, Danish. Dutch is from Holland, which is in the Netherlands. Okay, that sounds right enough, and I'll go along with it. The Danish film, Another Round. I'm very excited to watch a new Mads Mikkelsen film. He's one. Um, so very excited about that one. You can find that one on Hulu. We'll also be watching the simultaneously Oscar-nominated and Razzie-nominated Hillbilly Elegy, um, which, il- which is uh, currently on Netflix. Uh, so those are our two films for next week. Check them out. Again, that is Another Round on Hulu. Hillbilly Elegy on Netflix. So, uh, we're winnowing down the remaining films on our list. Uh, there's some s- juicy ones waiting for us as we still have a few Best Picture nominees we have yet to get to. Uh, and then our big discussion, breaking down the categories and making our predictions for the Academy Awards awaits us ahead as well. Uh, Corwin, anything left before we get out of here? Um... It can't get worse, but I feel like Hillbilly Ele- like Hillbilly Elegy is making me nervous, so I'm all for it. Yeah, yeah, we're doing that one because I didn't want to wait any to feel the pain of having to probably watch that movie. Um, so we'll see. But anyway, uh, if you want to follow the show, you can do so at Dick Screen Juice on Twitter. You can also follow myself on Twitter since we'd like never post from that account um, at Joshua D. Tracy and you can follow Corwin on Twitter at Corwin Heller uh, if you want to ha- send us any emails complaining about how much we hate the movies you like um, you can do so at juicing the big screen at gmail.com and until next Tuesday y'all have bye what?